Blog Talk Radio. Well, here we go, ladies and gentlemen, across the airwaves. We are so blessed to debut this Standing Above the Crowd podcast hosted by my good friend James Donaldson, yours truly, Mark Mancini, producing it, 347-205-9631. This show goes by quick, so catch the archive on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mancini Sports, podcast platforms, wherever you subscribe to, powered now through Mancini Media. So, less than me, more of him, let me lay the red carpet down, put the podium in its place, and hand off the mic. First of all, James, congratulations on your new show. Second of all, how can people get a hold of you? Third of all, you are bringing a legend to debut this show, my friend. Yeah, thank you so much, Mark. Uh, and thank you for helping put us together here. And uh, we're looking forward to a really long, successful run and keep on growing this thing. It'll be off and running starting today with a great guest we have in, in lined up, uh, Coach Lenny Wilkins, our 1979 NBA World Championship coach of the Seattle Supersonics back in the day. And uh, he'll be calling in in just a second. You know, what I wanted to do was really put together a show that's um, that's going to be featuring sports and life and a whole lot more. You know, we want we want sports uh, personnel on, on the call as far as different um, different guests week after week. And just talk to them about a lot of things that they've gone through through their sporting career, but more importantly, life after their sporting career. Uh, what do they make of this opportunity of sports that give them that platform to get out there and do something really great? Lenny Wilkins is one of those great examples of that. And so this is why I'm really excited about this show, uh, because, you know, if you want to see stats and team standings, you can Google that anytime. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that, but more so about what makes the person and what made them excel at the great sport that they that they played in. Um, you can reach me uh, at James D at standingabovethecrowd.com, and this is Standing Above the Crowd with James Donaldson. Uh, Standing Above the Crowd, matter of fact, is the title of my first book I put out 10 years ago, Motivational, inspirational genre, business, sports, life, and a whole bunch more. And so here we are. We're standing above the crowd with James Donaldson, and we are getting to roll with that with the name of this show here today. Okay, the coach sounds coach good. Calling yet? Sounds good. I'm in. I'm here. Hey. Hey, 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 Coach. And, and yeah, I still call him yeah. Coach, people. <laughs> I have to call uh, him right. years. Still call him Coach. Yeah. Uh, Coach Wilkins, yeah. so great to have you on our inaugural show today. Um, you know, we, we really wouldn't just aim to get the word out there to a lot of people, a lot of listeners, about, you know, what it is that makes the person uh, be as great as they are in sports and in life. And you epitomize that more than anybody I know, just really – have had such an excellent sporting career and even better, I think, after sporting career with your foundation and your charitable works. And, you know, uh, in the 40 years plus I've known you, I've never, ever heard anyone utter a negative word, negative thought about you. And, uh, and so that's one of the things I wanted to dive into first and foremost. But first, let me just give uh, the folks a little bit of information, a little background about you. Uh, you are very, very accomplished, of course, in the world of sports. 
uh, a three-time inductee into the NBA Basketball Hall of Fame as a player, as a coach, and as a coach of uh, the 1992 Dream Team as well. And that's just a fabulous, fabulous accomplishment. Um, you were the coach of the 1979 NBA World Championship Seattle Supersonics, uh, 13-time NBA All-Star, nine times as a player, four times as a coach, uh, 1971 NBA All-Star Game MVP, a 1994 NBA Coach of the Year, 2011 Chuck Daly Lifetime Achievement Award, and your number 19 was retired by the Seattle Supersonics as well. What an accomplishment. But, Lenny, take us back. Take us back to your upbringing, your childhood somewhat, um, your early years, going into the military, which I knew that you served for a couple of years uh, as the beginning of your NBA career uh, began at the same time, who were some of the influential people in your life to really make you and create you to become the man that you are today? Well, James, it, it, it all began uh, with my mother. My, my dad died when I was five years old, and uh, mm. and my, my mom uh, was one of those ladies that uh, uh, she wanted her kids uh, to be successful. She wanted them to, uh, you know, uh, be something and be involved. Mm. And, uh, and she always encouraged us, you know. I mean, she uh, was one of those type of persons that uh, my mom was a, uh, a staunch Catholic, Roman Catholic. And uh, mm. she went to church every day, you know, every day. Every, so, every day, every day. Yeah. yeah, and I think God heard her prayers. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so we, we grew up Catholic, and uh, and we were influenced by the Sisters of Mercy who taught us at the school we went to. They didn't show any mercy, but they uh, they taught, they were Sisters of Mercy. But Okay. Uh, there, there was a... Uh, a priest friend of ours. He was like a big brother. He was in the parish. Uh, his name is Father Tom Mannion. And he had a huge influence on me because, you know, I was an altar boy. Uh, and, and I was an altar boy because I wanted to learn the Latin. The, the mass was said in oh. Latin. And and I didn't want anyone to say that I couldn't do it because I couldn't speak Latin. So I learned uh, the Latin. Uh, and, 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 and this is challenge. back when. This is... And this was oh. back when, Lenny, uh, cir- circa when? Oh, man, this this was in the, um, the 50s. Uh, okay. I, you know, I graduated from high school, I think, in 56. Okay. I mean, from elementary school in 56. All right, uh, got, it, got high, it. High school, high school, that's it. High school in 56. So oh. this was the 50s. Okay, and, okay. And back, yeah, in, the, back grad- in the East Coast, right? Back on the East Coast, right, and uh, mm-hmm. and Father Mannion, you know, uh, on Sunday nights, uh, the parish I lived in, they used to have basketball games, you know, and uh, and they had dancing afterward for the kids that would come and live in the neighborhood. So it was a way to keep mm-hmm. the kids off the streets, and uh, and he he was kind of a you know uh, he always was encouraging us. And, and I remember, you know, uh, if someone said the wrong thing or whatever, I'd get a little frustrated, a little upset. 
you know, a little ticked uh-huh. off, and 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 uh, he would kind of say to me, "Well, who promised you? Did someone promise you life was going to be easy? You know?" Uh-huh. And uh, and I used to look at him, you know, and <laughs> after a while, I started to understand what he was saying. You know, uh, hey, if, if you want to make a difference, then you have to accept the challenge of life. You know, you have mm-hmm. to show people that uh, you can achieve. You know. And and right. uh, so I saw that through him, and and of course, uh, you know, like I said, he was always encouraging, and and I uh, grew up. Uh, baseball was the sport. We were mm. all Brooklyn Dodger fans, and Jackie okay. Robinson was our hero. You know, I mean, wow. And, and I got to meet him because uh, I delivered groceries to where he lived in Brooklyn, and uh, and he. Wonderful man, uh, very strong-minded, uh, family man, you know, showed that his family counted for something, you know, mm. and uh, and I watched him. Uh, you know, he played with intelligence. Uh, I mm. mean, I saw him steal home plate. Uh, mm. and it, yeah, and he broke the color line, you know, we're, we're coming into baseball. Uh, and yeah. I I never knew how he controlled his temper when people would make say things or make remarks, you know. Uh and but he dealt with it. And and uh-huh. I think he wanted to show people how uh smart he was, that he could achieve, you know, all all he wanted was an opportunity. And right. so that encouraged me. And from there, uh I started to really believe that I could make a difference and so baseball was my first sport, but then I started to go down to the playgrounds and play some basketball, and uh, I was encouraged by a buddy uh, who uh, was a great athlete. His name was Tommy Davis, and he was a high school All-American in basketball and baseball and mm-hmm. wound up signing with the Dodgers. Uh, his dad okay. was a huge baseball fan and a Jackie Robinson fan, and so... Uh, when the Dodgers uh, wanted to sign him uh, and, you know, he would go to the minor leagues, uh, they sent Jackie Robinson to talk to him. So it was a done deal. (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's amazing upbringing. And great, great inspirational role models for you to have as a young boy growing up. Uh, And then take me, you went to to Providence University, I believe, and then on to the – Military, I believe, right? Well, I went to Providence first, and and uh, I was uh, at that time uh, ROTC was mandatory the first two years uh, in college mm. at at Providence. It was, and uh, but I went on to advance ROTC because I figured back in those days uh, you were going to be drafted most likely, and mm-hmm. I said to myself, listen. If, if I have a college degree, you know, I want to go in then as an officer, uh, you know. Okay. So, yeah, so I decided to take advanced ROTC. And uh, when I graduated, uh, by now I'm, I'm playing more basketball. I'm getting more interested into it. I'm developing, growing. And um, the Providence College, we had a very, very good team. Our freshman team was 23-0. 
uh, we uh, went to the NIT, which was the big tournament at the time uh, in mm-hmm. New York at Madison Square Garden. And mm-hmm. we went a couple, two, two years in a row, and uh, I was the most valuable player uh, my wow. uh, senior year. And so I was drafted by the St. Louis Hawks. And I had never seen a pro game uh, other than I saw the Knicks on TV, but I had never seen a pro college game. I had been to baseball games, but never basketball. And uh, so my senior year, I see the Hawks, and they're the team that drafted me. But I hadn't gone Mm. out to talk to them. And when I saw them play and I saw their guards, you know, you're young, you're cocky. I said, I could do that, you know. (laughs) So that's why I decided to talk to them, and I eventually signed a contract with them, uh, you know, a a one-year contract. And uh, but uh, after my first year of pro ball, I had to go on active duty. And so, so the next year and a half, I was in the military. I wasn't playing uh, for the Hawks. But when I got out of the service, I went back to the Hawks. And that was the St. Louis Hawks, right, before they moved to Atlanta? Yes, it was the St. Louis Hawks at that time. All right. Great, great, great. Wow, that, that's a great recap of uh, your growing up years and the beginnings of your professional NBA career as well. Uh, you know, you've been a terrific community person in Seattle and a family man. Uh, you and Marilyn have been married how many years now? It must be Ooh. 50, <laughs> 60. It's getting, getting up there. Uh, hey, it's getting up there. 59. 59. 59. Hey, 60s next year. Congratulations, yes. folks. Congratulations. Yeah. Yes. Well, I've wonderful, been blessed. Wonderful. I've been lucky. Uh, she's been a wonderful partner. And and my wife was always encouraging. Uh, she's always uh, wanting to do yeah. for the family. And, and wow. you know, when we were younger, my mother used to always say, you know, you got to secure yourself. you got to do well, and then you can help other people. Then you need mm. to give back. You know, mm, so mm. Uh, and and I try to remember that. You know, every place I've been uh, in St. Louis, I, I work with a program uh, with high school kids. Uh, you know, who were dro- who were dropouts and encouraging them to get back into school, letting them know that they okay. could achieve. You know, and uh, in Cleveland, I work with a foundation called Shoes for Kids. And we wanted to make sure that young people whose families couldn't afford anything, that Christmas time they receive uh, packages. And one of the things we wanted to make sure was that they had, uh, you know, shoes and uh, socks and stuff Mm. like that. Uh, And then, you know, uh, when I came uh, here, I... uh, you know, met a, a wonderful lady by the name of Freddie Mae Gautier who uh, introduced me to uh, the Odessa Brown Children's Clinic, and that mm-hmm. became my charity. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. I know you've done a lot of great things for them, and that's wonderful. Through the Lenny Wilkins Foundation, which is – what is the status of your foundation now, and is it going to continue on, or what's the plan? Yeah, it's continuing on. We had to stop the dinner because of COVID. 
you know. But uh, mm-hmm. as things get better, we we still have a, a board. Um, I uh, talk to people, and uh, and uh, the Odessa Brown, uh, they're building a new clinic, so they'll have two, and uh, it should be uh, completed uh, this October. And uh, right. they'll have an opening uh, for the the clinic, uh, and and I'm gonna still support it. Uh, I'm gonna do appearances and things to raise funds. So, sure. so I'll I'll still be doing something, and we'll figure out how what we can do, especially as we deal with COVID, and figure out Good. you know how to get around that. Good, wonderful, wonderful. Now, you recently had a name, uh, a street named after you in Seattle by the Coliseum, by the uh, Climate Pledge Arena, and they put a put your street name up there, and there's a big celebration. Uh, you know, this is just really a great acknowledgement back towards you from our city of all the great things you've done, what you've stood for. Uh, what is what do you hear about the possible return of the NBA back to Seattle, the Seattle Supersonics coming back? Anything going on? Anything new? What are your hopes and expectations? Well, my hopes is that uh, we will uh, get a team back here, a professional basketball team. And I think we will. Mm-hmm. You know, now that uh, Climate Pledge Arena is completed, uh, they have hockey there, and hockey and basketball are compatible. But uh, the NBA wanted to make sure that they had a first-class building before they brought uh, basketball back. Well, there's no question that Climate Pledge Arena is a first-class building. And, uh, and I think that uh, what surprises people is that the, there are so many basketball fans out here uh, and um, oh, yeah. that it would support basketball without, I mean, you wouldn't even have to give it a thought. And, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be pushing for it. I think the NBA has promised that we would be one of the first teams they would consider, you know, places. They would consider having a, a new franchise. So um, I'm going to keep pushing it, James, and, uh, and I yeah. hope everybody else does as well. Good. Well, you know, there's, there's a new Facebook page that pops up pertaining to the Seattle Supersonics just about every week. I belong to all of them. So I, I get all their threads, all their information. Uh, yeah. They know that I'm supportive, supportive of their efforts to get our team back as well. Uh, look, look at the NBA today uh, compared to back in the day, uh, Coach. And what do you see as a big difference in today's game versus back in the – 60s, 70s, uh, 80s, and 90s when I played, uh, what is the big difference to you and your your keen, observant eye that you have on the game? Well, I, I think uh, offense has uh, become the number one thing. Uh, I mean, guys can really shoot, score, get to the basket, but I don't think the defense is as good. And, and that's because mm-hmm. they don't work at it. I mean, I think they could. Mm-hmm. I mean, because they're great athletes. I mean, you look at yeah. these guys and what they're capable of doing. So uh, I, I think that, um, I mean, I, the, the game, uh, some games are still exciting, some teams are, and I like watching those teams, uh, you know, like Cleveland. They're shocking everybody. Uh, Memphis, mm-hmm. they're shocking everybody, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Milwaukee's not because Milwaukee, the talent they have, and we saw that they won the championship last year. 
But um, there, there's like I said, there's some great young talent out there, and yeah. these mm. kids want to learn, want to be good, and uh, and I, so I think the future is very bright. And uh, good, but you know, there, there's a, there's always a couple of little tweaks. Like I said, I think the the defense as a whole can be better. Um, you know, there's one rule uh, that. I don't like, uh, you know, is that um, you uh, the defense plays hard. You get stuck in the back court with the ball. You call timeout, and then you can move it to the front court. No, no, that penalizes the defense. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. you call timeout, yeah. then take it. Then you have to take it out where you call timeout at. That's not what I right. think. But you know. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't. I don't watch too many games. I watch highlights like everybody else, but not too many game mm-hmm. games. Um, now I know I can't play in today's game. That that was not my style of play, unless they need some spot duty and rebounding or shot blocking, and that's about yeah. it. But I couldn't get up. But what about you? Could you coach in today's game? You think? Yeah, I think so. I, uh, you know, I mean, I know the game, and you got to communicate with players. You got to show them how to have success. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, we we have, uh, like I said, uh, some great athletes. You know, you look you look at uh, uh, Steph. I mean, the guy can mm-hmm. shoot the ball. You know, but yeah. uh, there are a lot of teams that don't know how to play screen and roll. They don't know how to defend mm. screen and roll. You know how to. Yeah. Uh, rotate, how to cover one another. Those are all yeah. things that can be taught. Uh, and like yeah. I said, but but no, I I, th- I think that when the players, when you show a player that he can be successful or she and work with them, uh, mm-hmm. and they're going to hear you. They're going to listen. So yeah. I, I, it's all a part of communication. It's the same with yeah. life, James. Uh, the young people yeah. today, you know, we – we need to let them know that they can make a difference, okay? And mm, and you yes. do that through communication. You got to talk with people. You got to let them know mm, you're here mm-hmm. that they mean something, okay? And yeah. then they, yeah. you know, they start to believe that that they can achieve and make a difference. That then that they're gonna hear you. Yeah, no, that that's great advice. And matter of fact, as we wrap up the show in a few minutes. Uh, that's one of the things I want to ask you is some of your words of advice and wisdom to our younger generation, especially dealing with COVID, the shutdowns, the lockdowns, the last couple of years, being out of school, wearing masks, your, your words of encouragement to them to keep on keeping on. We'll get back to that in just a second, but there's a question that came in about Pete Maravich. Uh, did you, you must've played against Pete Maravich, right? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, and mm-hmm. go ahead. Well, the question is, the, the the questioner thinks that Pete Maravich would tear it up in today's game and score 80 points a game. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> well, I don't know if he'll score 80 points a game, but uh, he certainly could compete. I think any great athlete like that could compete uh, no matter what the error is. Uh, he could handle the ball. He could make the play, you know, uh, and uh, – you know he could get between his legs and, and with the ball. I mean he could he could do it all. And mm. uh, there was when we first came in the league. Uh, you know, hey, I came in as a when I came in as a, my rookie. Uh, they didn't have one play for the guards, and all they want you to do is to give it to the big guys on the low post and get out the way. And 
you know, and we had a play where I was supposed to hand off to the other guard and then he'd take it and they'd have Bob Pettit or Cliff Hagen run around a double screen and then give him the ball. One time I kept it and went right to the basket to score. <laughs> so the, the guards started doing that, and uh, <laughs> the, the coach got upset. Uh, he didn't get upset when I would do it because I could do it and get there. But uh, yeah. but Pete Maravich was, uh, you know, they call him Pistol Pete, and uh, I – I, I liked him. I, I got to know him, yeah. you know, and we were coming. We rode back on the same plane from an all-star game one time. But uh, he never got the credit uh, that he was due. But uh, I think uh, had he not passed away at an early age, uh, he may have. Yeah, yeah. People still remember him. He's a great college player, oh, a great yeah. uh, professional yes, player. Sure, sure. Wow, that's that's so good. Uh, another question that came in is what what is your favorite what would you consider your favorite coaching stop along the way in the NBA? You have three or four different coaching teams. Which one was your favorite? Do you think? Well, I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed them all. You know, I really mm-hmm. did because my teams competed, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean every game we believed that we could win. Uh, mm-hmm. We had great fans in Cleveland, and that team competed, you know. Uh, when I took over the Sonics, we competed. We were 5-17, and 17, and when I took over. And uh, yeah. we turned that around. And, and when if people go back and check the stats, they'll see that we were among the top five in defense, offense, and, and also assists and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. you know, uh, I enjoyed the game, and uh, yeah. you know, and and I love competing. So, uh, but I would say that uh, Cleveland, Seattle, Atlanta, uh, they were fun teams to coach. Yeah! Wow! Wonderful! And I tell folks all the time, I don't think I could have broken in with a better team, a better coach than the Seattle SuperSonics back in 1980 when I first joined the team. And you were coaching. Uh, you know, we had a veteran team, a championship-caliber team. They just came one year off the championship year. And those guys took me under their wings, especially Freddie Brown and John Johnson, mm-hmm. and, and, and worked <laughs> with me day after day. You, you remember, yeah. And then uh, yes. Sigma oh, yeah. and, Lonnie, yeah. Ma- <laughs> Sigma and mm-hmm. Shelton and Dennis Autry beating me up every day in practice and toughing me <laughs> up. So. <laughs> Well, you know, you you were excellent for me, and that was probably the the most ideal situation any player could come into and not have tremendous pressure on me to produce right away. It took me a year or two to get into it. And then once I got into it, I was part of our Winnebago, Winnebago lineup, right? Winnebago Wall, right. they called us. That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, good things, good things. Uh, so um, anything else you want to add at this point here, Coach? Uh you know, we got a lot of listeners out there. They're all excited about the Sonics possibly coming back. They they love the game. Uh, you know, the, the talk goes on all the time about the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Now, you know, we have to break it down to different eras and everything. But for you, uh, and over your vast experience of years, who do you think was the greatest of all time? Well, uh, there's a lot of players who were great, and I think that in every era you have players 
who can compete, and it depends on the team you go to, you know, um, because everybody doesn't have the green light to go out there and do what they want. And, and I'm going to give you an example. Uh, you know, uh, I like you mentioned, I made the all-star team nine times, you know, as a player. Mm-hmm. And the early yes. years, uh, I would go to the all-star game. I was happy to be a part of it. And I would look to set people up and get the ball to the guys to show them that I could help them be successful. And right. I didn't get to play that much. So one year in 1971, I decided I'm going to play the way I want to play. And that's when I got the MVP. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it's uh, – and I tell, you know, young coaches, uh, if, if you want to be a great coach, a good coach, one, you got to show patience. Two, you have yeah. to have preparation. Three, you got to take advantage of the talent that comes to you, you know, and, mm-hmm. and help these guys achieve and, and, and be as good as they can be. So those yeah, are all important absolutely. things. And, uh, and you know, uh, I, it's like young people. I tell them, you know, they're tomorrow as doctors, lawyers, athletes, absolutely. politicians. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. and, and they have to be ready for the challenge. Wow, wow. Well, to wrap it up, give me 25, 30 seconds of your encouragement to our young generation dealing with this very difficult time we're going through. Yeah. Well, I, I think one, two, one is uh, you've got to listen, you've got to hear, you've got to pay attention, and then you have to utilize your knowledge because, you know, everyone is talking. And uh, we have some very bright people, and we have to hear what mm-hmm. they're saying. Dr. Fauci is a brilliant man, okay, and he's mm-hmm. dealing mm-hmm. with this and trying to help us get through this era of COVID. So uh, I will listen. I'm going to hear what he has to say. Thank you. And, uh, you know, uh, it's no fake thing that so many people passed away. And if it takes right. wearing a mask to help you prevent, to prevent you from catching it, uh, to get mm-hmm. a vaccination, you know, hey, listen, back in the day uh, when I was a young kid, what was the thing that was raging? It was polio. And, mm-hmm. and people got the vaccine and we overcame it. Okay? Yeah. They right. did the yeah, things right. that the medical uh, people recommended. So I'm, I'm mm. saying, you know, uh, I, I got to hear, I got to investigate, I got to find out, you know, and, and whatever it takes. You know, uh, I'm going to pay attention uh, because uh, I want to get through this. I want my family to get through this. I want my friends to get through this. And and we have some smart young people out there. So, Mm -hmm. you know, so just, you know, pay attention, listen. Uh, Wearing a mask for a period of time is not going to hurt you. (laughs) You Yeah, that's right. Uh, It's small sacrifice, small price to pay. Yes. Small sacrifice, mm-hmm. and uh, so mm-hmm. so I'm just saying, you know, there there are things that we can do, and and these young people, they are our future. They are tomorrow's yeah. doctors, lawyers, you know, That's uh, right. politicians. That's right. They're the future. Wow. So so Thank how you. do we? So that we have to make sure that they're in position where they can achieve and make a difference. 
Thank you so much for that, Coach. And, uh, hey, that's going to be a wrap. I really appreciate you coming on to our first show, Coach, and sharing all your thoughts, your wisdom, your history. Very inspiring to so many people out there. I really say thank you. We'll catch up again over over breakfast like we do every couple months, and uh, we'll do that soon. Uh, This is James Donaldson standing above the crowd, okay? And you've been listening to Blog Talk Radio. Have a great day. Thank you, everyone.